Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Cozy Christmas Podcast. My name is Art. Welcome back. I guess I need to welcome myself back. It's been, oh, about six weeks, almost two months now since I've had an episode out. I was gone a little bit longer than I had planned, but I really needed some time off to just to refresh and readjust and do some thinking and planning and all that good stuff. So I appreciate you all hanging in there and coming back for the start of our new season. So this is the beginning of season five. And for those wondering, yes, we will be doing the Cozy Christmas Book Club still. The voting should be up right now uh, over on the the Cozy Christmas uh, Book Club Facebook page. Uh, you can vote there and see what the next books are. I don't know what those are yet. I haven't made, <laughs> at the time of recording, I haven't made it yet. Well, it's February. The day I'm recording is the day after Valentine's Day. I hope you had a good one. My wife and I will be celebrating that weekend. As typical on our hot dates, we're going to go to a bookstore uh, and then go out for dinner. And then I've got tickets to go see the play that went wrong, which is um, showing in Omaha. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I believe it's a British play. It's basically the title is what it says it is. It's a play where it's about a group of actors trying to put on a play, but everything keeps going wrong. Like set pieces are breaking and, and people come in at the wrong time and there's accidents happening all over. It's a very slapstick British humor. Last year, I think it was, or two years ago now, I watched their Christmas Carol that goes wrong. And that was hilarious. I would really, I would recommend that if you ever get a chance to see it. Uh, so I was looking forward to seeing the original stage play and uh, see how that it all started. But today I, I did have a very specific thing I wanted to do today. I had a listener write in last year who shared a few things that she's written. Uh, her name is Shelly and uh, I read something she wrote about being the, the family's Christmas keeper. Um, her, her thoughts were so wonderful about why she strives to make Christmas so special. And then she was very kind to send me a, a lengthy email about her experiences of Christmas in Australia, where she lives. And I had planned to share that on an episode. So we're going to start off our, our new season with me reading some of the, some of what she wrote about her traditions and how they celebrate in Australia. Now, if you are one of my Australian listeners, I would love for you to send me an email at cozychristmaspodcast at gmail.com. And some of what I, I say will hopefully be familiar to you. And, and maybe there are some different traditions that you do. Um, and really anyone in the world, I would love to hear how you celebrate Christmas and what Christmas is like for you. By nature of, of my life and, and who I am, you know, my Christmas experiences are very, uh, you know, North American centered. So not much I can do about that. That's where I live. Uh, but I would love to hear traditions. If you're in England, I've got listeners in England, maybe different parts of the country of the United States. I've heard from some listeners over in the Middle East. I've shared some of their memories. I would love to hear how Christmas is celebrated around the world. So if you think you have an interesting 
story or memory or traditions that you do for your uh, for Christmas, send them my way. I'd love to read them on the podcast. All right. Well, as we begin our new year, let's settle in here by the Christmas fire. And I'll share with you some of Shelley's Christmas experiences and traditions. First of all, she writes about the weather. She says, so today is the 17th of September, 2023. So yeah, sorry, Shelley, you wrote it so long ago. I'm just now getting to it. Anyway, on, on she writes, she says, spring has rolled in. It's 28 degrees Celsius. And to me and any Australian Christmas fanatic, this weather brings in the Christmas feels. I try not to listen to Christmas music until October, so I really enjoy it. But it's very hard to deny myself once it's time to crank up the air conditioning in the car as I drive home from work. I know to Northern Hemisphere people this must sound strange, but to us, the stinging sun, hot breezes, and air conditioners are our Pavlovian bell telling us it's time to prepare for Christmas. I have strong childhood memories of sticky hot bus rides home from school, walking the last 500 meters and getting within a few steps of home absolutely drenched in sweat, red-faced and parched. I open the front door and the cool air hits me like diving into a pool. The smell of mum drenching the dried fruit and brandy for the Christmas puddings and dad playing Willie Nelson's pretty paper on his cherished sound system. This is the feeling of Christmas here. The spirit of Christmas. My family is not religious. Many Australians are not religious and it's not common for people to go to church unless it's very important to them. I do feel the Christmas spirit and I do connect with the story of the nativity. Personally speaking, I studied Druidry, which is rather uncommon in Australia, I must say. And in this way of seeing things, we do embrace different mythology and the spiritual aspects of them. I do see a lot of beauty in the many aspects of the nativity, the maternal love of a young unmarried mother, the compassion of Joseph to his betrothed, the beauty of celebrating the humble and the family in all its forms. While we are told Christmas is the season of giving, I rather wonder if it is not just as much a time of receiving, receiving love receiving joy, receiving hope, and the expectation of small miracles. If you feel like you are burned out this year and you can't bring yourself to give, perhaps it's the year for you to receive. I like to let the laugh of the kookaburras enter my heart and revive my soul with their humor. I like to think of the humility of an unwed homeless mother birthing a child and to remember that my little humble life has meaning that accepting the unexpected curveballs of the year have not been in vain. For me, as a mother, it is a time to spoil my children, to gather the family, and to remember the people who have touched my life and are no longer with us. So let me uh, let me just throw in my two cents worth there. Uh, this is just beautifully expressed, Shelley. And I like what you say that maybe if you're feeling burned out, that this is the year that you receive. And I know that's not given, you know, that's not promoting a spirit of greed, but sometimes you need that, you know, that, that, uh, self-care is, is the popular word. And, and when you, 
give a lot and are in, especially if you're in a job that gives and you're giving of yourself to others, that's exhausting. You know, that's tiring. And sometimes the best thing we can do for our families, our friends, our kids, our, our life is to step away for a few minutes and receive. If it's something as simple as, as enjoying nature. Anyway, she goes on to write about the holiday season in Australia. It is also important to note that in Australia, we don't celebrate Halloween or Thanksgiving. Halloween has started to become a thing recently, but it's not widely observed and was not something in the 80s and 90s at all. Also, our academic year aligns with the calendar year, so students are doing their final exams and graduations in November and December. We have a six-week break from school from around the week before Christmas to the last week of January. So for us, the term the holidays really means Christmas, New Year, and school holidays. Many businesses and organizations that are not in hospitality or retail will close from Christmas Day to New Year's Day or even until a week after New Year. So many people have one to two weeks off work at this time. And that just sounds wonderful. Here in the United States, as many of us know, it's like December 26th everything goes back to normal and I hate it. <laughs> you know, give us that time to spend with family, to rest, to refresh. We need it. Anyway, then she talks about caroling. Most communities will hold a Christmas carol event, which is always held in the outdoors in a community park. They often start around 7.30 to 8 p.m. to try to avoid the sun as much as possible. Traditionally, these were hosted by the Salvation Army, as they always had great bands. These days, they are more commonly hosted by local musicians and school choirs. Candles are not generally used, as this is our fire season, and many people will use glow sticks, and communities will put up fairy lights. Families and couples will bring their own picnic blankets, wine and cheese, and snacks for the kids. It is not common for people to go caroling in the way we see in American movies. There will be buskers in the city and in busy shop areas playing Christmas carols and hoping for gold coin donations. So to me, this actually sounds like our 4th of July celebrations that we will often go out into the community, um, you know, gather in groups at the park. There will be live musicians playing patriotic music. That night we'll have fireworks and um you know it's just a great fun community time that's that's interesting i thought that was interesting christmas lights people decorate the outside of their houses with fairy lights it is common in the week leading up to christmas for families and friends to walk or drive around streets that have good light displays often there are a few streets where they decorate elaborately and set up santa in reindeer scenes or nativity scenes on their lawns. People do decorate inside their houses, but it is often not elaborate. Most families will have one Christmas tree that will go up in December. Christmas fanatics like me may have more trees and may put them up sooner, but we are mo most definitely outliers. Most houses will have a tree in their living room with twinkle lights and decorations. Some people decorate with tinsel and garlands in the living room as well, but not many people will go further than this. Unlike myself, who will hang garlands in every room, 
swap out artwork for Christmas images and sprinkle Christmas decor throughout the whole house. This is quite unusual in Australia. All right, well see, now this doesn't sound too different from how we celebrate. And actually just the other day, uh, I saw somebody's house still had their Christmas lights up, their Christmas tree was still up in their living room. This is mid-February, so I approved. Christmas baking. Decorated Christmas cookies was not something we did in Australia in my childhood, but it is something I love to do with my children now. It is common for families with young children to have a cookie or gingerbread decorating day in the lead up to Christmas. Some people buy the pre-made kits so they can easily assemble and decorate a gingerbread house. Others will bake, cut, and decorate from scratch. I prefer the latter, but it will depend on my time and my energy, to be honest. I love decorating Christmas cookies, but I much prefer the taste of gingerbread. Christmas tarts, or fruit mince tarts, are a staple of at Christmas time in Australia. I will only eat homemade ones, but plenty are sold through the supermarkets. Christmas has arrived when I can have a freshly baked fruit mince tart and a cup of tea for breakfast. This is my standard breakfast for about three weeks the two weeks before Christmas and the week after. Usually on New Year's Day, I throw away any leftover tarts and go back to a healthier start to the day. Oh, that sounds like the best way to start. <laughs> Shelly, if you want my opinion, go for it. Christmas pudding was very common when I was young. Everyone had a family recipe for either a boiled Christmas pudding or a Christmas cake or fruit cake. This is very English and has mostly gone out of style. When I was a child, my mother would start soaking the dried fruit in brandy, port, and whiskey from October. Every morning, we would stir the mixture and watch it over the next month plump up and absorb all of the alcohol. Every few days, mom would add a little more drink to the fruit, which she called feeding the fruit. I love these memories and have attempted to carry on this tradition. However, I find getting a boiled pudding just right is very difficult and very impractical. Boiling something all day in 40 degree heat? I do make a Christmas cake every year as my husband loves it. It's a nod to the old drunk boiled pudding as I do steep the dried fruit and pour it in masala. However, I bake it so that the cooking part, if done in a few hours, instead of a whole day of the oven heating up the house. I will usually get up early one morning and bake it before the sun heats up too much. Christmas Eve Most people work on Christmas Eve, but many businesses will close early. Many people use Christmas Eve for last-minute shopping and present wrapping and food preparation. Many people will also spend Christmas Eve with friends and neighbors. A backyard barbecue and a swim in a backyard pool or a trip to the beach to cool off if you live on the coast. In our home, we have an annual Christmas Eve dinner, which is not always on Christmas Eve, but we still call it that anyway. This is a continuation of a tradition my grandmother started. As our Christmas days are so hot, they are usually informal and consist of cold foods. So my grandmother would hold a Christmas Eve dinner, which we all had to dress nicely for, and she would set a formal dinner table and serve a baked dinner. Usually this is a roast lamb or roast beef. It is not common to have turkey in Australia, and if it is served, it is most likely to be a turkey roll or break, not a full turkey. 
The baked dinner will include roast meat, roast potatoes, and steamed vegetables with a white sauce and gravy. We would have table presents, which is a little gift that sits on your dinner plate. Also, Christmas crackers will be at everyone's place, and you'll pull it with the person you sit next to. The bonbons contain a little paper party hat, a joke or riddle, and a trinket of some sort. Since my grandmother passed a few years ago, I have taken over this tradition. I enjoy setting a pretty table and finding little cute personalized table presents for everyone. I have added my own tradition to the table presents. Instead of labeling the presents with someone's name, you sit in front of your place name at the dining table and the, prese and, and the present on your plate is actually for someone else. There is not a name of the gift, but a little riddle that everyone has to decode to figure out who that present is for. It's a lot of fun and also helps the kids to be patient about those presents under the tree. Of course, the final part of Christmas Eve is for the children to put out their stockings and to leave some treats for Santa and the reindeers. In my family, we always left two fruit mince tarts and a glass of whiskey for Santa on the kitchen bench and a few carrots and some water for the reindeers. My children still do this. Most of my children are adults now, but I have a little one, seven years, who is our late life surprise, and it's so wonderful to see the adult children teaching him to do these things. I haven't heard of many other families leaving out whiskey for Santa, but beer is common as well as milk. But it's it's interesting, Shelley, your traditions, uh, you know, there in Australia, obviously there's some flavor from uh, England in it, uh, obviously a very uh, a strong British presence there in Australia. So some of that was a little more familiar to me, but uh, it, it sounds beautiful. And if I remember, I'll try to post some of the pictures that Shelly sent my way so uh, you can kind of see what she's talking about as far as the table presents go. That's a really fun tradition. That that would make a fun um, Christmas party game or something uh, as well, I think. Uh, having riddles to try to figure out who the present is for. Um, and then on Christmas Day, she writes, So as I'm sure it is in the case in the U.S. as well, Every family has their own way of doing Christmas Day. So I'll quickly outline general trends and then I'll tell you what we do in our family. Uh, gifts. Most Australian families will slowly start to put presents under their tree through December. Most of the time, presents are from and to family members. Santa usually leaves a gift for children under the tree on Christmas Eve. The rest of the presents are already in place and labeled from the family member who bought it. Some families prefer Santa to give their children the big present, and others prefer to give the big gift themselves and let Santa give the children a smaller gift. Many families start the day with children waking up early and racing to the Christmas tree to tear open their presents. In my family, we always did this a little differently. When I was a child, we were not to open any presents until the family were up and dressed, and we had to wait for Grandma to arrive. She would often not arrive until 11 a.m. She would always walk in and proclaim, Oh, I told you not to wait for me. Every year, this would happen. As much as this was difficult for us as children to wait and wait and wait, I am glad that we have this tradition and I have imparted to my children. My little change is that Santa will leave the children some small gifts and chocolates and lollies in their stocking on the end of their beds. Apparently this is very English. The kids are allowed to rip into their stockings when they wake up. 
but must not touch the presents under the tree until the whole family has arrived, has a cup of tea or coffee, and is ready to begin. As we converge with about four families in our extended family for Christmas presents, we allow our children to open the gift under the tree that is from Santa. Santa usually leaves the children a nice coveted toy and the adults a nice bottle of their favorite alcohol. In our family, we elect one home as the celebration home for that Christmas. Everyone will pack up all their presents and food and arrive at the house by 10 a.m. We will have Christmas music playing, mince tarts and coffee ready, and everyone in Santa. By the time the three or four families converge and aunts and grandparents, the presents under the tree will have expanded exponentially and someone will inevitably exclaim that we are too spoiled and there are too many presents. One person will be elected Santa. They will don the hat and their job is to pass out presents, making sure that each person gets a present and that the card is read. We all watch each other open the gifts one at a time. This sometimes takes up to an hour, but it's a lot of fun and I think it helps the children to appreciate their gifts and to help give out gifts and to thank the giver properly. Recently in our family, we started a secret Santa. Instead of every adult feeling like they had to buy a gift for every other adult, we draw names and everyone buys one good quality gift of a decent price instead of many poor quality gifts that end up costing just as much. We have been enjoying this. It's less wasteful, more fulfilling, and less stressful as well. By the time Christmas gifts are over, the kids usually are in the backyard with the sprinkler on and either swimming or jumping on the trampoline. Water fights are common. The wine bottles are opened, the beer is poured, the music drifts through the yard, and we sit around enjoying the day. Usually a nice cheese and fruit board is a staple. Now, Shelley, that reminds me of the quote from A Christmas Carol in Stave 2 when Scrooge is at the Fezziwig party and it says, there were more dances and there were forfeits and more dances and there was cake and there was negus and there was a great piece of cold roast and there was a great piece of cold boiled and there were minced pies and plenty of beer. Now, I myself, I'm not a drinker, but I understand that sometimes you got to do what you need to do to get through the holidays, right? And then she talks, uh, next is Christmas lunch. Christmas lunch in our family is usually served about 2 p.m. For most Australians, Christmas lunch is either a barbecue or cold ham, cold cut meats and salads. Plus, as it's the height of summer, seafood ranks high on the menu. Prawns, lobster and oysters are common. My mother and grandmother used to get up at 3 a.m. on Christmas morning to be at the fish markets by 4 a.m. Christmas Day in order to score the freshest seafood. I must admit, my generation is not that committed. We usually have one person nominated to bring some lovely fresh prawns. Oh my, that sounds really good. <laughs> I love seafood. We have a slightly unusual Christmas lunch in our family. It's a hodgepodge of food that represent different people and time periods from Christmas past. I always have a large bowl of lychees, which I used to buy for my father when he was alive. He would eat them for Christmas breakfast. Now I always have a bowl of lychees on a table in memory of my father. My son and I will often tuck into them for dad. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that word right, Shelley, but I, I didn't know what a, a lychee is 
So I had to, I had to look that one up. Uh, but apparently it is a small round fruit with a red scaly skin, sweet juicy pulp, and one large seed. And according to the internet, it has a sweet with notes of citrus and watermelon, but most notably tastes of a cross between strawberry and pear with rose water mixed in. Sounds like a fruit I would like. I need to try that sometime. My grandmother always made a delicious Asian chicken dish that is ser uh, soya chicken that is served cold. We now make this and serve it in honor and memory of her. My uncle Michael loved char sui, Chinese barbecue pork, and so someone is always nominated to drive to Chinatown and pick up the best quality char sui, which is served on the table in memory of Uncle Michael. Then there is the smoked ham, the cheeses, and the salads, and I usually like to make an Asian salad that complements the soya chicken and the char sui. It is an unusual combination of foods, but to us it is the taste of Christmas. Desserts in Australia, traditionally for Christmas, is a pavlova, a meringue baked in the shape of a cake, topped with thick cream and fresh berries and fruits. Sliced mangoes, grapes, and pineapple and passion fruit are also common. A good quality cheesecake is also a common Christmas dessert. Okay, um, I'm totally coming to Australia for Christmas now. Um, that's, that's it. I'm packing my bags. I'm coming. Get the trees up, everyone. <laughs> okay. You had me at cheesecake. In our family, usually after lunch, we continue to drink and nibble and play board games in the backyard or in the air-conditioned room, depending upon the home and the heat. Sometimes festivities continue into the evening, and sometimes the heat has us all exhausted by 5 p.m. And then Boxing Day. I'm not sure if you have Boxing Day in the U.S., um, nah, we don't. Unfortunately, we should. But in Australia, it is the day after Christmas and is a public holiday. I always thought it was called Boxing Day because it was the day you had to clean up all the empty boxes. But in fact, it was a tradition day for the traveling boxing troops to have boxing competitions for community enjoyment. In our family, we usually lay low, often sporting both wine and food hangovers. Cleaning the house cleaning the fridge, finding the mini abandoned wine and beer bottles, and letting the kids enjoy their treasures. Many families go to the cinema on Boxing Day, as there are usually new releases premiering. I'm not a fan of crowds, so it's not something I do with my children. I usually wait till after the new year to venture to the cinema. Most families will insist on Christmas trees and decorations be dismantled and put away before New Year's Eve. As much as I love my Christmas decorations, I am one of these people. I will use the week post-Christmas to slowly, each day, pack away more of the decorations. In my mind, it means I start the new year with a clean slate. Also because of the heat, which will only increase through January and February, it does make the home feel less cluttered and more relaxing to deal with the oppressing sun that starts to heat up the houses as early as 4.30 a.m. and doesn't relent until 8.30 p.m. Feeling like the home is fresh and clean at this time helps me cope with the heat. New Year's Eve I think it is fair to say that New Year's Eve is a 50-50 split between an event one shares with family or friends. In our home, we usually travel about three hours 
away to be with my husband's family. They don't do Christmas celebrations, so we never feel bad not traveling to them at Christmas, but we like to go to them for New Year's. Usually it is a backyard barbecue, more drinking and staying up to see the fireworks in the sky at midnight. Again, not a crowd fan, so I don't partake in traveling into the city to join the throngs around the harbor to see the fireworks. I'm happy sitting in a nice backyard with a glass of wine and seeing the local council's fireworks in the sky somewhere. And so, that's my little rundown on what the holidays look like in Australia. And Shelley, thank you so much for sending that to me. I think it's really interesting how your climate has changed or how some of your traditions adapt to the climate you're in. You know, uh, again, Australia is hot, so you you know, you'd eat outside. It's more picnic food or colder foods, you know, because who wants to eat hot, you know, a hot meal on a roasting hot day? I like that there are similar things that we do and things that are different. And the reasons we celebrate might be different, but in the end, it's, it's all about being with our family. That's something worth celebrating because as you know, and I know the time that we have together is limited and precious. And I am thankful for such days as Christmas that allow us to be able to celebrate and spend time with each other. Well, that will be it for me today. I'm looking forward to getting back into the podcast. Some episodes I have coming up will probably be um, stories that I'll read. I have been collecting a handful of Christmas stories that I want to uh, share with you in the upcoming weeks and months. And I'm hoping to uh, reach out to some folks and get some interviews done as well and continue to, to talk to those uh, others who love Christmas and celebrate it creatively. If you have Christmas traditions you want to share with the podcast, please send those to CozyChristmasPodcast at gmail.com. And I'd love to read that uh, on an upcoming show. Also, if you want to participate in the Christmas book club right now we're meeting on Facebook let me know and I know I think a few of you have but I I can't remember who it was but if you want to participate in the book club but you're not on Facebook send me an email let me know because I want to be uh, I think I might have an, an alternate option for us so please do that feel free to do that otherwise you can go to the Facebook group page and uh, vote on our March read. All right. With that, thank you again so much for listening. As always, if you want to help support this podcast, uh, listening and sharing on your social medias and with other Christmas loving friends is the best way to help us get the word out. Also, um, if you'd like to help the show in a financial way, there are some links in the show notes you could check out to uh, so I have several people I need to thank for their generous donations in December and folks I owe you a Christmas card and a book and a bookmark I haven't forgotten uh, I promise I'm so sorry I didn't get those out sooner they will be on their way soon a bookmark and sticker and anything else I can find I'll throw in an envelope for you 
So um, <laughs> just keep an eye out for that. And so until next time, let's honor Christmas in our heart and try to keep it all the year. Have a very Merry Christmas.